you know, June is National Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, Plus Pride Month. When you look past the parades, the celebrations, and the community coming together in a seemingly supportive and uplifting way, there are numbers that don't always tell the same story. According to Forbes magazine, 375 trans people were murdered in 2021, making it the deadliest year on record for the trans community. There are things that have to be taken into account here, like the fact that many trans deaths are frequently misreported and misrecorded, often using their dead names or the names they were given at birth, rather than their chosen names, which would mean that even more trans people were murdered in 2021 than that original number of 375. And not only that, but it increased from 2020, which had increased from 2019. Is it that we're doing a better job tracking the numbers, or are we seeing an increase an increasing rate of violence against trans people, or is it even both? I'm your host, Katherine Galvin, true crime enthusiast and psychic medium. Before I bring you today's story, I'd like to remind all of you that Intuitive Development 101 is officially open for registration. The course is six weeks long and runs from July 20th through August 18th. We'll be meeting every Wednesday this time at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and each class session will be recorded in case you can't make it to the live class, or in the event that you'd just like to review any time in the future. This is a beginner course, so who is it for? It's for the person who's just starting to or even desires to start connecting intentionally to their intuition, and to make sense of things that they've seen, heard, or even just known without explanation. This is for the person who thinks, could I be psychic or am I just crazy? In the six weeks, we're going to go over how to connect safely, what it means to be an empath, how to connect as a medium as well as a psychic, and you'll get to practice with each other, which is the most valuable part. I promise it's not scary. It's so much fun. I like to keep class sizes small, so if you're ready, it's time to run headfirst into this experience and take control of your intuition and its many benefits. And now on to the show. The story I'm bringing to you today is one that's still developing. The story I won't be able to give as many insights and details on as I typically do, but it still needs to be told nonetheless. Elise Mallory, age 31, was an outspoken beacon of hope and light in the trans community of Chicago, Illinois. Elise was an incredibly accomplished woman working tirelessly to support and advocate for others in the trans community. She worked as an administrative clerk for the Civil Rights Bureau at the Illinois Attorney General's Office. She worked as a communications associate for Equality Illinois and interned for the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. In addition to her already incredible resume, Elise was one of the founding members of the Chicago Therapy Collective, an organization aiming to alleviate lesbian, gay, bi, trans, and queer health disparities through education, therapy, advocacy, and the arts. The Chicago Therapy Collective's website, the biography of Elise has this to say. Elise Mallory is a Chicago Therapy Collective board member and key player for the Higher Trans Now initiative. She's thrilled to be a part of the collective as she is extremely passionate about advancing social justice for the lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, and BIPOC community, especially trans people of color. In 2016, she received her bachelor's degree in communication from the University of Illinois at Chicago, which is where she began her work with LGBTQ organizations. 
She brings her years of experience in advocacy, community organizing, communications, administration, nonprofit development, and sales in this role. She currently serves on the Community Advisory Group for Equality Illinois and fundraises for community organizations. I mean, it appears that Elise was an incredibly passionate person about her job with the Attorney General's office and also with advocating for trans for the trans community in general. According to her friends, she loved working at the Attorney General's office and that she was the type of person who, if you needed help, she wouldn't hesitate to give it to you. Through the work that she did, she desired for the people of the LGBTQ plus community to feel that Chicago was a safe place for them and that they would live there without fear of oppression or hate. In 2019, the Women and Children's First Bookstore, which is located directly below the Chicago Therapy Collective office, had multiple anti-trans and anti-gay stickers placed on the outside of its windows. Elise, among others, covered the sidewalk in trans-affirmative art to show that they were trans-welcoming, trans-inclusive, and trans-safe. From looking at the bookstore's website, you can see that the bookstore put an incredible focus on uplifting and empowering people of many communities and marginalized communities at that with missions similar to Elise's. Because of her work with the trans community, she was selected to receive the Transgender Visibility Award at the upcoming Chicago Trans Visibility Pageant, hosted by Life is Work, a black and brown trans-led social services agency. This event was to take place on March 31st, 2022, but Elise Mallory would not be present to receive the award for all of her hard work. Rather, she would be reported missing on March 11th, 2022, and found dead not too long after. On March 9th, 2022, Elise and her sister, Fabiana, were texting back and forth. According to Fabiana, Elise was planning on sending her money to help her complete her mortgage payment for March, as she wasn't going to be able to. From the articles and interviews of Fabiana, it seems as if this were something Elise would do often and without a second thought. Helping those who were in need, I mean, and if she were in fact able to help them, she wouldn't hesitate to. By 9 p.m., though, on the 9th, Elise had stopped messaging her sister, and Fabiana pointed out that she had never wired the money to her or made it otherwise available via Venmo, PayPal, anything, which was also super peculiar, as Elise had made it very clear that she was helping her with that payment, and it wasn't like her to not follow through. It honestly sounds as if she were literally in the middle of setting up the transaction and just didn't end up being able to complete it. Her calls and texts to her sister were not only going unanswered, but they were going straight to voicemail, as if the phone had been shut off or was dead or out of commission. As if that weren't strange and concerning enough, though, Fabiana tells various articles that her sister absolutely loved that job that we were talking about of two years with the Civil Rights Bureau within the Attorney General's office, so it would make no sense whatsoever for her to quit out of the blue, which she did on the 9th, and she did so over email. After not having heard from Elise since the 9th, Fabiana called the Evanston Police Department on March 11th to report her missing. The police responded to the call, and upon checking Elise's apartment, they concluded that there was no sign of foul play. Fabiana was concerned over her sister's back door and front door to her apartment being unlocked, as it just wasn't something Elise did. She went on to talk about how Elise was so very careful because of her lifestyle and was so immensely aware of her own safety at all times. But even so, the police said that there was no indication of foul play. 
because nothing seemed to be missing and nothing was broken or disturbed, let alone showing signs of a struggle at all. Elisa's family, however, couldn't shake the feeling that she was likely targeted because of her lifestyle, and they were gravely concerned for her safety. And it would so happen that late in the evening on Tuesday, March 15th, Evanston police would let Elisa's family know that her 2008 Honda Accord had been found in municipal parking, barely two blocks away from Elisa's apartment and on the same street. They spent hours scouring the footage from security cameras in the area to see if they could identify who drove the car to the parking lot. It isn't specified whether they think it was or it wasn't Elise, or if they were just trying to tell if she was even in the car or not. Police really aren't saying much. Fabiana's concern wasn't unwarranted, since in 2013, 66% of all known victims of fatal violence in the U.S. were Black trans women. Let that number sink in. 66%. And on March 17th, around 4.30, Evanston police responded to a call reporting a body in the water of Lake Michigan in the 500 block of Sheridan Square in Evanston, Illinois. Now, Evanston, Illinois, if you do a little bit of research on that area, it's actually one of the more affluent areas from what I understand of the Chicago area. And it's separate from Chicago, but nestled like right up close, right on top of it. And it was there on the rocks in the water that Elise Mallory's body was found. And again, Evanston's crime rate, their violent crime rate, is actually lower than the average for the country. It would later be confirmed that this was indeed the missing LGBTQ rights activist, Elise Mallory. This was only blocks from her apartment. After discovering her body on the 17th, police have not updated the general public on whether or not they still think foul play was not part of her disappearance and subsequent murder. They won't even call it a murder. An autopsy was performed on March 18th, the results of which have not and will not in the foreseeable future be released to the general public either, as police cite that this is still an ongoing investigation and refuse to comment. The governor of Illinois, Governor Pritzker, tweeted about the heartbreaking loss and stated that he will continue to do everything in his power to make Illinois welcoming and inclusive for everyone. While his political moves have been largely in support of gender equality and inclusiveness, I have to wonder if the quiet nature of Elise's disappearance and murder slash not called murder stems from the desire to uphold the image of inclusivity and safety in the city of Chicago and the rest of Illinois. Where is the national outcry? What happened to Elise? Her cause of death and manner of death have not yet been released, and this matters even more because she wasn't even the only trans woman of color who was found dead in the Chicago area in the month of March. In fact, the day before Elise's body was found floating in the rocks on the shores of Lake Michigan, another black trans woman was found beaten and stuffed into a trash can in an alley in South Ingleside Avenue in the East Chatham neighborhood. Her name was Tatiana T.T. LaBelle, and she was only 33 years old, just two years older than Elise. She had been reported missing by her family five days earlier, and Tatiana's body was discovered as the city garbage was being collected and the contents of the garbage spilled out. Neighbors believed that she wasn't killed there, or they'd have heard it or known about it, but rather that she had been disposed of there. Either way, it's crushing to think about not one life, but two lost and discovered within 24 hours of each other, reported missing, so close together both black trans women and unrelated to one another, 
According to Iggy Ladin, the director of the Chicago Therapy Collective, Tatiana LaBelle's death is the seventh confirmed reported trans person murdered in the U.S. this year. Zahara Bassett, friend of Elise and founder and CEO of Life is Work, a nonprofit supporting trans and non-binary persons of color on Chicago's West Side, talks about how her last communication with Elise was via email about how excited she was to be coming to the Trans Visibility Pageant and to be an award recipient at that pageant for the work that she's done within the community. Her death doesn't make any sense and no answers are being given. Hell, not even enough questions are being asked. Yes, there's an ongoing investigation, but the lack of awareness of these deaths of these two women is appalling, especially back-to-back and not all that far from each other. Victoria Kirby York, Deputy Executive Director of the National Black Justice Coalition, a Black LGBTQ plus civil rights organization in Chicago, explains that, and I quote, the Chicago area is experiencing an anti-trans violence crisis and one that is only getting worse. York believes that a state of emergency should be declared for Chicago, just as Puerto Rico's governor Pedro Perlusi did in January of 2021 for gender-based violence. Kirby goes on to explain that this would allow for additional resources, mainly financial, but also multiple governments to communicate more effectively with groups and organizations within the trans communities to make more meaningful change within the city of Chicago and surrounding areas. Kirby believes that this could push government officials to stop paying, quote, lip service, but to put action behind their words. I absolutely swooned when I heard this statement, and I couldn't agree more. I think a good number of us are sick of hearing political lip service pertaining to violence within the United States, but even more so for severely marginalized communities. Colleague Lasai Wade, the founder and executive director of Brave Space Alliance, tells Chicago Tonight on WTTW-TV, that she has buried over 263 trans people over the lifetime of her career. She says, as we become leaders of our own narrative, as we become more visible, as we become these high stakeholders within our communities and fight and change the narrative of trans and non-conforming people, this is just the beginning of what we will have to deal with in the upcoming future. It's my intuitive feeling that Elise was absolutely targeted because she was trans, but also specifically because of who she was, because she was Elise Mallory. I believe that whoever did this to her had at least met her, maybe was working with her as as a client considering becoming a client, someone who made it seem as if they needed her help and guidance as a young trans person, or as someone who was struggling with their gender, gender identity. This person, in my mind, looks like a white male not the cleanest of appearances, and he feels incredibly angry. I feel that he was lost somewhere between needing her help and hating her for being so comfortable with who she was. I get the impression that she was maybe meeting someone for a sort of unofficial counseling or something along those lines. And I wonder too if we'll know more as phone records become available, but as for now, her phone is inaccessible, as I believe they found it in the water, which was obviously quite intentional. I also believe that her case will be solved, and you're going to hear in a moment why that's kind of shocking, but I think that law enforcement isn't saying anything publicly because they don't want to, one, spook the offender, but they, they will find him and that phone records will be enough to lock him in. But number two, I think that law enforcement isn't really saying anything publicly either because 
Chicago is placing such an emphasis on being an inclusive and safe community for trans people, yet they're experiencing this incredible uptick in violence in the trans community, especially in the trans community with people of color. Over the last 20 years, only one trans murder has been solved in Chicago, and that was because the Brave Space Alliance forced their way into the investigation. And this is the same organization that has been raising funds to help with Elise Mallory's funeral expenses and covering the cost of that for her family. Because as if this isn't sad enough, Elise Mallory's father passed just weeks before Elise did and his funeral services were actually March 4th of this year. And then his daughter went missing on the 9th and was reported missing on the 11th. Hopefully, Tatiana LaBelle's murder is solved, but I don't know that it will be. Hers, at least, has been dubbed a homicide from the very beginning, whereas Elisa's, they won't even say one way or the other, though I think it's pretty certain that she was murdered. Bassett expresses her disdain for the political language that's often heard at times like this, and that it's ultimately time to bring these murderers to justice. There haven't been consequences for the killings of trans people in Chicago, let alone the rest of the country, and it's time for that to change. In 2021, five black trans persons were killed in Chicago. Brianna Hamilton, Josiah Monet Smith, Tiara Banks, Tiana Alexander, and Courtney Ashea Key. All of them remain unsolved. And again, those numbers are typically much lower than they really are because they are underreported and reported incorrectly. It's time to make some noise. And while you make this noise, please remember to use proper names, not their dead names. Proper names and pronouns are key because using these proper names is not only respectful, but it's going to increase the likelihood that who you're looking for will be recognized by the name that they are known by. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or follow. Click five stars, leave a kind review if you will. The higher the rating, the more ears these stories have the chance to reach, and you just never know who is listening. And while you're listening, in these last few moments, go ahead and click in the show notes. Look at these organizations that have been mentioned today. Go to the GoFundMe that's been created for Elise. Donate if you can. And if you can't donate monetarily, then share, share, share the news stories, this podcast, any information that you can find about these people who deserve justice done in their names. As for now, be safe, be kind, be loving, and I'll be here next week with a new episode of Murdering Mediumship.